Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up. Jason Langsdorf runs developer relations at Gatsby, a free and open source framework based on React that helps developers build blazing fast websites and apps. By addressing the problem of app launch from the perspective of progressive disclosure of complexity, Gatsby's entire ethos is designed around shipping fast React components generated from and requiring the lowest possible config overhead. In other words, dig deep into the config if you like, but only if and when you want to. Jason and I talk about keeping the open source community first and foremost in their mission and the critical seat that's being filled by the DevRel community as the role and monetization of open source software heats up. Hey, Jason, man, good to have you on. This is uh, really cool to have you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for inviting me. This is great to be here. Can you just give, you know, like a two or three minute background story of, of yourself uh, and your work so the audience can get to know you? Sure. Uh, so I got into tech in a pretty unconventional way. You know, I don't have college background. I didn't, I didn't get a degree or anything. Um, instead I dropped out of college so I could try to be a rock star and I was in a, <laughs> a pretty terrible band and we spent a couple years living in a van touring around. And during that time we, you know, because we weren't good, didn't make any money. And that meant that somebody had to design the merch and the websites and all that stuff. So I just kind of took over that duty. Um, I was kind of our de facto like booking agent and designer and web developer and all the things that, that we couldn't afford to hire somebody to do. Um, and so at the end of that two years, I probably rebuilt that website like 10, 15 times, something like that. I, and it, I was enjoying doing it. I was always like, Oh, what if I tried this? And I learned, you know, I started out by building this horrible, like sliced up table, no CSS, uh, website, a bunch of iframes. And then I was like, well, I want to be able to play music. So I dug into flash and learned action script so that I can embed a music player on the site and, um, just kept going deeper and deeper in the stack, learned PHP and MySQL so that I could give the band a kind of a, a dumb admin interface so they could post tour updates and just kept kind of rolling that way. Right. And, um, so through, through my experience, I started realizing more and more that I was very bad at music and pretty good at tech. And so when the band broke up, uh, I decided to just go full-time into, into web development. Um, you know, played as a, I was a moonlighter for a while. I was working at like a Kinko's or something and um, doing freelance jobs on the side. Finally got my break to go full-time. Did that. I uh, ran a freelance collective type agency for about 10, 12 years. Um, couldn't handle the admin overhead like it was killing me. So I eventually sold the agency, uh, went and did some like contract work, worked at IBM for a little bit and uh, ultimately ended up at Gatsby where I am now. Yeah. And you and I off, off mic, we're talking about, you know, sort of the, I guess the plight of the freelancer that, you know, more and more and more of your success gets consumed by, you know, the admin overhead and the business development and billing and, you know, all the stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's good for us to hear those stories because we're like, okay, good. You know, that, that is the value, you know, that we provide. So it's, it's cool to hear it yeah. back. Cause you know, you say that, tell that story all day long when you're in our seat and you're like, I hope that really is valuable. <laughs> so. No, it, I mean it, it, yeah, it kind of like I, the admin overhead of being a, a freelancer, like an agency runner kind of 
made me fall out of love with, with tech. Um, I had a, a pretty bad bout of burnout. Um, I, I was working so hard that at one point, like my beard started falling out of my head in patches and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty rough. And I was kind of thinking like, okay, maybe I should just quit and like get a job at a bar and, you know, just have a job that when I'm done, I go home and I'm, I'm done. Um, and so, you know, took a little bit of time off and, and readjusted things, started focusing on, you know, what did I like about tech and what did I not like and trying to make sure that my life lined up more with the things that I did like. Um, and you know, my beard grew back. I'm, I'm definitely healthier now than I was then. And <laughs> I can confirm we're on video. He does have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, since, since making that switch and getting that, that type of like that admin overhead off my, off my shoulders and the, that need to be constantly on like that client management burden, um, it's made my life a lot easier. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. I mean, you write extensively, you speak extensively about all those things and, it sounds like maybe you found your, you know, sort of home, at least for the time being at, at Gatsby. You guys are doing some awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, please, I know the audience will care about all the things that that, that tool, tool set framework, I don't know what you call it, but w- what it can do and and the advances that, that y'all have made. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're super excited about what's happening at Gatsby right now. Um, we have just seen such an incredible interest from the community and you know, we've, we've got uh, support that I can't believe, which is, it makes my job really easy. Right. Cause like I'm, I'm technically, I don't know, I call myself human duct tape at Gatsby, but I'm mostly filling the role of like the head of developer relations, uh, which means that my job is the easiest job in the world. I just go on Twitter and retweet all the nice things people say about us. Um, <laughs> but, but, so, um, but you know, what we're doing basically is like the, the thing that people talk about a lot is JavaScript fatigue and, there's so many frameworks and tools and like just to build a site, you have to set up Webpack and Babel and ESLint and, and, you know, get everything running with a build process. And, you know, you can spend like a day just getting to the point where you can get a hello world app on screen. And so with Gatsby, what we wanted to do is we wanted to build the best possible developer experience. And the way that we did that is we, we just kind of abstracted that complexity away in such a way that you can still get at it. Like if you want to get into your Gatsby site and mess with your Webpack config, cool, do it, do your thing. You've got full control. Um, But by default, we're going to do everything for you. So when you get a new Gatsby site, in about 15 seconds, you can go from Gatsby new my site to something up in the browser with a hello world so you can actually start writing some code. Um, And, you know, the goal as well is like in addition to that developer experience, we want to focus on the user experience. So the sites that Gatsby builds um, are made completely of static assets, but once they get to the browser, they rehydrate into React apps, which means that they're extremely performant. We're doing a ton of performance tuning under the hood, all the code splitting, and we follow the the purple pattern. If you've ever heard Adi Osmani talk about that, that kind of makes it HTTP2 compatible. And, and um, that means that like the average Gatsby site is loading in like one to three seconds. They're incredibly fast. Um, and we've started to see companies like Nike and uh, uh, Harry's... Uh, Harry's Razors has a, a women's line called Flamingo. So shopflamingo.com got moved over. Um, and we've talked to them about like why. So like, you know, why'd you go to Gatsby? There are a lot of frameworks out there that are pretty good. And what they keep coming back to is like, we are able to build better things faster. Like their dev velocity went up. They are able to get more work done in a shorter period of time, which means that their their turnaround goes down, which means they can beat other people's bids because they're able to charge less um, 
because they're spending half the time, right? So their margins go up, but their time to delivery goes down, which means their overall price goes down. Um, so it's kind of this really cool, like everybody wins by using it and, and agencies especially have been really excited about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there's, um, it makes me think, you know, there's a, a proliferation, uh, even a movement now, they sort of your low code, no code tools for, for agencies and people like that. And, you know, obviously you give up a lot of control, you know, everybody says like, well, you can use my tool to, you know, build everything in the browser. Um, but there's still a spot for, for developers, you know, I think that it, that is necessary and, and more control. So I don't know where you see yourself in that conversation because I've been, it's relevant and I can appreciate well, that someone would want to abstract their dev from their design. And we, we kind of look at it as, um, uh, Chris Biscardi, I believe it was use, he used this term that I love, which is progressive disclosure of complexity. And so the, the, the general idea is that we want to start with zero requirements. You know, in theory, you should be able to start a Gatsby site with nothing but a folder full of markdown files. Um, and we're working like that's possible now behind an experimental flag. And what we're working toward is making that kind of the default experience. You say, I want to blog. You have a site, a blog folder, you drop markdown files in it, and that goes up on the internet. That's your, that's your blog. But as you find yourself needing more things, you want to customize something, you can progressively dig deeper into the stack. So maybe you want to override the header component and change that up. Well, cool. You can just override that. You don't have to get into the data layer or the configuration or anything beyond that. But as you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you can ultimately get to the point where you're messing with the data layer, you're uh, combining different types of data, you are getting underneath that and playing with the Babel config so that you can use like TypeScript or Reason or whatever it is you want to do. Um, you can go even further than that if you want and start actually playing with like Webpack and change up everything. So you, we kind of look at it as like you have all the control you need. You're not giving up to get you're not giving up control to get that that low config environment. You're just only dealing with the complexity that's necessary to deal with to solve the current problem instead of opting into, you know, like one of the problems that you see with something like, um, like say, create React app. Uh, one of their known limitations is that they start you with something that's great until you run out of the, you get off the happy path. And as soon as you get off the happy path, you have to eject, which means that now you're responsible for the whole stack. Um, so you go from like this zero config to 100% config. And our goal is to, is to make that more progressive. Like you can go from zero config to 10% config to maybe 60% config and ultimately all the way to hundred percent if you want. But, you know, we hope that we've set good enough defaults that you never see the need to go there. That's really our hope. And it's a broad vision then saying so, you're well on the way there. I think this is, this is the kind of thing that everybody, you know, sort of hopes for where, you know, you have like, I would think of it as like managed abstraction. You know that it, that it isn't such a such a beatdown, and it's the same kind of conversations that we're having with uh, folks who are, are thinking about you know the orchestration or uh, choreography of DevOps. You know, there's, you have like a million things that play together. Some of that we should be able to just kind of just go. I just want it because it's the default you know mm -hmm. configuration. So now you you guys are like way out kind of in the client and server side, um, which is, which is pretty interesting there. Performance. Uh, speed to launch, you know, ability to launch code more quickly. Obviously, those are like key hallmarks of of dev team performance. Mm -hmm. What's changed along the path for for you all? You know, you you set out with a broad vision, and you know, what were the, you know, sometimes there are you know, speed bumps, failures, learning opportunities, if you will. You know, and I think those are the things that that uh, we try not to revisionist history out of the way. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're a very small company, right? So we, we started out, uh, Gatsby's only, only had funding for about a year. Prior to that, it was a completely community driven project, uh, almost exclusively led by Kyle Matthews, the, the CEO. Um, you know, he was, he was working with like a team of volunteers and that was great. Uh, and it, it's, that's the reason that we are where we are is that the community was incredible before we got funding. Um, and now that we have funding, we're trying to figure out how do we do, how do we do something that like follows the spirit of the community that we have and doesn't cause that problem that you see with a lot of companies where they've got this excellent free offering and then they come under pressure to make money and they, they hobble their community. They do something that kind of breaks things down. And so, um, early on, we, we just, we were like, okay, well, how do we, you know, what are we going to do to make sure that doesn't happen? And we've been trying really hard to double down on ways to make sure that the community is at the forefront of Gatsby. Uh, one of the ways that we do that, for example, is we've got the, the swag store and anybody who commits a PR to Gatsby, um, as soon as it gets merged, you're going to get a message from our, our friendly robot that says, uh, you know, thank you so much. We're going to invite you to be a maintainer on the org and we're going to give you a coupon code to claim, you know, an item from the swag store. Uh, people who contribute more items, they get a, a second coupon code. It's like five contributions you get. We have, you know, we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got like custom mugs. We've got custom pajama pants, which I think was the, the, probably the most important thing I've ever created in my career. Um, we call them freelance pants. <laughs> um, and it, things like, like, trying to make sure that, that when people get involved in Gatsby, it's the most welcoming place they can go. We try to be extremely open to like beginners, first time contributors. Um, if you're looking to get started in open source, we want to be the best place on the internet to get started in open source. And we see that as being the way that we, you know, we, we grow this community. Like the, the, the goal isn't to build the largest customer base. It's to build the largest community. And along the way, we've made a couple of mistakes where we, you know, we accidentally alienated an older contributor or we, we like got super overwhelmed with PRs and ignored people who were trying to contribute, um, and had to go back and try to do damage control. But we, you know, we damaged that trust and lost those people. So, um, a lot of what we're doing now is trying to control for that. How do we make sure that we are giving the community the attention it deserves, uh, making sure that people feel taken care of and heard and listened to that. We're not like raining down executive orders from on high from the, you know, the Gatsby corporate team or whatever. Um, you know, the open source project is open source and will always be open source. We're not going to stick any kind of paid stuff into it. We're not doing like a, I don't know even what you would call the model, but like, we're not going to pull chunks out of Gatsby open source and, try to monetize those. We're building a platform around the open source project. Um, and that's what we'll monetize is stuff that can't happen without infrastructure. So we're just basically going to charge you for managing infrastructure, not sure. necessarily for using Gatsby yeah, I mean, tools. Um, I feel like I got way no, off no, topic. Right on. You know, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. It's like, and it's a very important time in open source, you know, now it like just, there's a lot of like, mm important debates around, you know, the licensing and, and the commons and, you know, all the stuff that Redis is going through and, and maybe leading the charge or maybe kind of, you know, off the road. And I think mm -hmm. maybe people don't really know yet, you know, what's the path because you can certainly appreciate the mandate of like, Hey, hey we're a company. We need to, we need to make some money. Um, you know, we're not going to, you know, walk around with placards on our, our backs, you know, selling advertising and, you know, or whatever it is. Right. I mean, you need sure. some kind of real, revenue model and yet honoring 
the idea of open source that this stuff came from the community and that's so important i mean one thing that strikes me as as progressive is you know you describe it as like well we're a small company and yet you know you're the developer advocate you know i talk to developer advocates from microsoft and google and it's like well of course they have budget for that mm. so it does speak to an investment in, in community just that hey that you know that's kind of cool that gets to be your job for a small company um it does speak to, to the culture yeah. i imagine that that's not all that common to have uh you know sort of the advocate role at a small company. It, it seems like it's becoming more common. Um, you know, a lot of the companies that that we're coming up with um, have have invested in in this kind of community outreach, and I think that um, you know we're we're not unique in recognizing that the community is super important. I think we're maybe we're maybe unique in having the the ability to double down on it the way that we have. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm very happy to to be able to say that, like, I think we're we're maybe in, in a small, like a minority of companies, but we're definitely not unique. And that's that's yeah, really cool. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's to say on the vanguard, right, is that it's establishing how important that is. And, it, and it's mm. somewhere in that, you know, what traditionally in a textbook in business school, we might have said is a marketing function because it's just so... It's so critically mm -hmm. important. Just get our voice out there in an authentic way and and take care of the, mm -hmm. you know, Vitron, fight for the users, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, what's what's that like? Do you do you have to, you know, maybe maybe some of our listeners are in a position where they're considering doing such a thing um, for their own companies, you know, what's the feedback path like? I mean, you're out there like speaking and, and writing and, you know, retweeting with your feet up, right? And you must get personally a ton of feedback and input, you know, and, and you have to process that in a way yeah. that's useful to the organization. What's that knowledge management framework, if you will, look like? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're fortunate to be small in that I can just grab the people that the feedback is relevant to and kind of do a debrief now. I think as we scale, we're going to have to find ways to get more of a process involved. Uh, but one of the things that, that I think is really interesting is that, you know, you said that companies have traditionally looked at something like developer relations as a marketing function. And there was some, some kind of hubbub on Twitter not too long ago about like the function of DevRel and just kind of the the general like is devrel a good thing or is it is it just you know somebody who doesn't know how to code trying to tell you to use their platform and I, and i don't i, I mean I, I i hope i'm not rekindling this argument but i i feel like um one of the things that has been really beneficial with all the developer relations people that i know who are doing an excellent job is that they're they're embedded with their product like they, they use the product all the time. They're building with their product. They, they can empathize directly with the people that they're talking to. So usually when somebody comes to me with feedback about Gatsby, I'm in a position where I can try to solve their problem. Like if they're like, oh, I got stuck when I did this thing, I can most of the time uh, kind of handle that level one support on my own. I'll just say, oh, well, I think that's this bug. I've run into that before. Here you go. Um, and I, and I think that's really important in, in developer relations is to make sure that it's a product that you're excited enough about that you are willing to use it all the time. Cause if you don't, you end up with this kind of gap, right? Like you're, there's tech that you're excited about and tech that you have to talk about. And it's very difficult to be engaging and to really support people. If you can't say that the tech you're using is exciting to you. Um, that's definitely a luxury. Like there's, there are going to be things like, 
you know, if you, if you get hired to, to run something that sets up once for an enterprise company and just kind of runs in the background forever, I don't know how you could use that every day. Like, I, I don't know what that looks like, but I do think that in most cases, um, you know, you like people, people have passions. They, they really care about infrastructure. They really care about like efficiency or, or, um, you know, decreasing the, the error rate or something like that. So if you, if you, whatever your thing is that you're really, really into as a developer, find a company that's aligned with that passion. Um, before I came to Gatsby, I was at IBM kind of working in a front end architect role. And the thing that I kept doing was finding things that bothered me about our developer experience and that I saw as inefficiencies in the dev process and building small tools to correct those inefficiencies. And that's effectively like Gatsby. That's it. Gatsby as a service is finding and correcting developer workflow inefficiencies and, and, you know, performance inefficiencies. So for me, that's like right after my own heart, all the things that I was doing anyways, got bundled up into an open source framework and they just happened to be hiring for somebody to talk about it all the time. And I was like, okay, that's, that's the job I need. Cause that's what I do anyways. Yeah. And you've been um, really thoughtful. <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, anybody looks at your, your writing and work and thinking you spent a lot of time on that self-reflection and just look, what actually do I care about in my craft? And, you know, I, mm-hmm. that's a, uh, I think it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you attract the, maybe the, the type of situation that is meant for you when you start to actually pay attention to it, you know? So there is this sort of, uh, self-driven destiny out of, you know, that kind of, of thinking, you know, just like I'm passionate about this tiny little niche of stuff. And, uh, that can be terrifying, you know, if you're not prepared to, you know, kind of get out there and seek mm-hmm. that stuff. And, um, you know, I get how people say, well, you can't always work in your passion. You know, there's only, you know, one museum curator role for every, you know, 200 art majors. But, you know, I, I do think that there are opportunities in, in our craft and in, in engineering and around the edges and in so many different ecosystems to uh, if you can tap into that one area that you're good at, you know, to actually do something that like I'm, I'm about to get really philosophical. So feel free to push me back here. But um, you said not everyone can follow their passion. And I and I both love and hate that phrase because I I don't think that if you ever ask me like what I'm passionate about, that I would say like developer <laughs> right. tool. What what it is for me is like uh, my friend Nate and I, uh, talk about this all the time. And, uh, Nate Green is, a um, another author that I've been friends with for years. And, and we talk about this idea of like, you don't find your passion, you build your passion. And so when you're looking at, at like, what does your career look like? What do you want to do forever? You shouldn't try to go for the, the career that you already like. You should go for the thing that you have skill in and that you can provide a unique value with. And, get really, really good at that because what will end up happening is that skill becomes the platform that lets you do the things you're passionate about. Like the thing that I love more than anything is helping people feel more in control and more like being able to take more control of their own lives and their own happiness. And if you read my blog, that's pretty much all I talk about. I don't talk about tech at all. But the reason that I'm in the role that I'm in is because by building these tools and by working on this system, I'm giving developers the opportunity to do that. If you use Gatsby and your passion is hanging out with your friends or like being with your family or just not being at work all the time, by building these tools, you can do the same amount of work in half the time so that you can have that extra time to be with your family. Um, and so to me, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Or even if, you're, if your passion is like I want to build more cool stuff on the internet, you can still like use Gatsby to get the work you have to get done, 
done in half the time and then spend the rest of the time on stuff you're excited to build. Um, so it's, you know, we kind of look at it like that. So yeah, I would never say that Gatsby is my passion or the developer relations is my passion. It's, it's the platform from which I can pursue my passion, which is helping people live better lives. And that is really fluffy now that I'm saying it out loud, but it, you know, that's, that's kind of where all my, my direction has, has led me. Uh, hey, I can't do better than that, man. I think we, we got to wrap on that note, you know, and fluffy and, and coffee and we're doing good. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, man. Totally enjoy your uh, your thoughts. And, and we're definitely going to make sure that the community knows about Gatsby. All right, Ledge. Thanks so much for having me on. I really had a good time. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch. And we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.